it always makes me panic when it says the recording has finished before we have started the recording. <laughs> like, <laughs> like everything is falling apart. Robin, preacher, servant, leader, rector, reverend, deacon, elder, what the hell? So listeners, we had recorded some of the funny questions for a minisode, but then my computer had too many files on it and crashed and Audacity lost that file of my audio. So maybe one day at one point we'll record something to match Ethan's audio from that recording. But as of right now, that's lost to time and we're sorry. But we are here to record another minisode and talk about other things. Um, as you heard in the live episode, Ian and I visited Ethan this weekend and got to go to both church services at, at Ethan's new churches, which was, that was my first time since I preached for a friend over the summer. That was my first time being in a church service as just a participant since forever. Like, I can't remember the last time that I sat <laughs> through a church service. <laughs> right. So, I, it was fascinating. Um, maybe before I like say say some of my thoughts, Ethan, how did you like? You felt that was a pretty typical Sunday. It, it, do you still feel that was these were typical church services for both of the churches, as far as you have experienced them? Yeah, by and large, I would say that was pretty typical. What you guys experienced. That makes sense. Um, I'm trying to think of like. You've, you've described like the size of the congregations. Mm-hmm. Um, I really, there, there's a really, the trouble with podcasting is we don't have that visual element to it. And there's both of the sanctuaries, I think contributed to the worship services in different ways. Um, and so I want to be like, well, look at this feature and this feature, but you can't look at it. And I don't know that I want to spend a lot of time describing the sanctuaries. Um, but yeah, I felt like your first church, the first service of the day, like was a good number of people in the church for like, it's a tiny country church. Mm-hmm. It is like the great, the, the vineyard is like right behind the church. It's right there. You can oh, see yeah. it from the fellowship hall. Um, but like, if you had that many people in church on a Sunday regularly, like, I, like that, that seems like a good and fine and healthy church to me. Like it just really struck me like, Oh, this is, this is a normal service. We're in this like normal place. Um, I was talking to Ian on the way back and I was still, and we'll get to this. I was still astounded that like, I felt a lot of anxiety at the second church service. And Ian was like, ah, I, yeah. And I was like, I still don't understand how you did not in t- like feel that <laughs> as we sat in that space. And he was like, well, maybe all church services are anxiety producing for me. Or maybe it's that in both places, I sat in somebody's pew and I had to move at the, at the first place. That <laughs> so is true. Anxious either way. But it, yeah, like... I, it, that was such an interesting moment because like it was you who was who was like well you know somebody usually sits here it wasn't like an angry church member was like this was my seat and you were just kind of like heading it off at the pass yeah um and i didn't look back to see if anybody actually was sitting there during the service or not well so there is a second piece to that that you missed because you were with adrea which is totally cool um 
after after I suggested that Ian move, just just because the seat that Ian sat in, listeners, was a different was wasn't a traditional pew. It was a it was a seat, and the seat is generally reserved for an older woman. I don't know her name. I'm still learning everyone's name, but it's generally reserved for an older woman who um, you know just has trouble sitting in a pew. Mm-hmm. Like it's just. That's why that seat's there. Like, it's not it's not really because she prefers, she has a particular preference, you know, to on what side she sits. It's it's really more of a hospitality issue for her. And it's, oh. you know, we want to make sure that, that she is comfortable. And and I just didn't have an opportunity to explain that whole thing to Ian. So I, I didn't really want to make, you know, I'm glad that you guys interpreted that as, as a preventative measure on my part. <laughs> not like, a, you've already fucked up, Ian. Like, that's not... <laughs> That's not how it worked. But the second half that that you missed, Joe, is Ian then shows a seat close to the piano. And I didn't have a chance to come in and tell him, but the piano player and her adult um, kind of special needs son sit in that in that area. Um, And so when Andrew, who is lovely, I like Andrew a ton. When Andrew uh, saw that there was someone in his seat for the first time in 49 years that wasn't him, he he was like, what is going on? Like, who oh, no. is that? You know, and and like I just and it was fine. Like Susan, I watched as Susan, Andrew's mother and the, and the piano player come over to Ian and my uh, what I interpreted it as and maybe Ian had a different feeling and which I would defer to him was was she just really trying to gently explain that this is my son's seat my son really needs to sit here like this is just sort of part of his routine and part of how it works for him and and I'm so sorry like like and and I thought that was handled well I I if he like I said if Ian has a a different feeling from it I totally get it and I mean like stuff like that even if it's handled gently still feels really weird right like it's yeah. still it's still a terrible feeling for a visitor um and and it's it's a it's a tough thing because i think that the the country church the first church this church um because because it's sort of a such a low maintenance and what i would understand it uh to be as a uh um a uh like like relaxed church um i think it has potential for it to be welcoming but but because it's a church that is also really insular and that it's sort of it's 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 centered around um the the kind of everyday physical needs and preferences of the folks that are already there it it also makes it a really insider church too mm-hmm. and so it's just harder for that as well anybody would have anybody who just decided to come in and give it a shot could have easily been in the same position that that Ian was in, right? Like, oh, I'll sit here. Well, you know, we unfortunately there are folks that are a part of this church that not only is this where they sit, but it's also like the place for them to sit. You know, like like it's their right. place. Like it's it's not even their preference. It's it's the stuff we have done to care for them, or the stuff we have done to set aside space for them. Which is a good thing. That's not a bad thing in a church. It's yeah. just is one of those things. Yeah, and that's that's also something that's hard to hard for um, 
wow, my brain is just not doing what it needs to do. Um, That's a tension that is hard for somebody who doesn't go to church every single Sunday or hasn't like participated in in, uh, congregational ministry a lot to get like, I I think back to like my home church, which had a couple of people who were autistic and had like had very specific ways of being in church. And we all totally knew that and made space for them. And like, oh, this is where Becca is. And Becca's going to go up during the altar call and always pray. And there's going to be a pastor who always goes to her and we will vamp until Becca is done praying. And that's what we'll do. And, and it's our way of caring for our people and showing hospitality, but it does look strange from the outside for the first time. And so you're caught in this, do like, do I try to, to shift what we do to make it easier for an outsider to come in? No, like you, you understand that, like, I think in those ways, it's a lot of displaying love for the community that, that like then shows to people who are just visiting, oh, there is care for people in this place. But yeah, it's, but it's hard to balance when you're like, sit anywhere except for these two places and we're not going to tell you which two, you know? Right, right. And I don't know what you're supposed to do with that. I think it's just, uh, everybody has to be gracious with one another in that case. Um but yeah. it also, like, as a visitor, does throw you off for a oh, second. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, and and but I th- do think you're right. I actually don't know how else to have uh, to to go about fixing that because we do want to, you know, I how do I want to put it? There, churches are already difficult places for folks with special needs or folks with, um, you know, wh- whether those special needs are physical or mental and emotional or, or whatever, they're already difficult places because it's just, there's just not a ton of compassion in churches for, for things like that, not traditionally. And, and so a church, I, I would, I would offer, I would argue that a church that does that well, um, becomes a church that is, oh, I don't know, that, that is, I'm, I'm going to say niche, but I don't really mean that. Like it becomes a place where um people's the people who need have those needs are met um and and it just is going to come a little bit at the detriment of being like i hate this word this language but like a seeker friendly church you know what i mean like right. it's going to come a little bit at the detriment of that um and and on one hand i i don't i don't necessarily on one hand i don't necessarily think that's a bad thing because what it won't come at the detriment of is uh, other folks like that who are looking for right. a church, right? Yeah. Like, like I could understand if somebody, I wouldn't know how we would advertise this. This wouldn't really be anything. We would have to advertise it in a way that is just meant so that people know this is a thing we do rather than aren't we so great and wonderful. But like, I would, I would understand. I could understand a situation in which a family who who has members of their family that have needs like that, um, seeing that this church uh, already knows how to care for people like that, being uh, really a great option. Yeah. You know, let's try this. Let's try this church out. Um, maybe uh, a, a family of 
go-getting upper-middle-class athletes <laughs> would not want to be a part of this church, <laughs> you know? Maybe maybe not. I don't know. I, maybe they'd be thrown off by that in a way that 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 is uh, not uh, something they, they're comfortable with. Eh, whatever. You know, that this, this isn't the church for them then, you know, and then you move on. Yeah. Yeah. Ian, I, I'm calling you an upper middle class athlete. You know, you're, you're just, <laughs> you're right there. I'm sure he appreciates it. Um, he does have the lungs of a swimmer. Like he That's has true. great breath control. So we're good. Um, yeah. I, and I, it, it's not like he was like deeply offended or anything, good, but it is good. just like if your first interaction in a space is to be told, oh, I need to move twice. <laughs> like I could see you. It, it just takes a while to like clear that out of your system, I think. Yeah. Um, but like I, I, I loved singing hymns like Ian and I were both masked the whole time. Um, but even like singing with a mask was much easier than I thought it would be first off but um yeah like that that was probably the first time that i have sung a hymn since before covid uh in a congregational setting and that was uh, and like it were there were three good ones and three good ones that i knew um good yeah uh i i actually got a little emotional particularly at at the first service yeah a little bit you know just just a little bit like i wasn't like slain in the spirit i don't think but, uh, but like, you know, it's just, I was just happy to be singing with you guys and, and it was relatively relaxed. It was the first service and, you know, like we had just laughed, like Susan and I banter a little bit. And so we, we la- like to laugh at each other and like the, and the church likes to laugh. And I think it was just a good combination of all of that. Plus, like you said, three pretty decent hymns that, you know, I was just, I was just thinking about lyrics and feeling good so i got a little i got a little emotional in a good way yeah yeah i um yeah i i i am still really processing my feelings from it um because i i did have this this really i'm trying to think of the way to describe it when i went when i was in scotland uh my friend heather who lived in fife uh, which is just like right across the firth. You just take a bus out, out of Edinburgh. Uh, but she went to a, a little church and she was preaching one Sunday. And so a group of us went to like hear her preach and, and be a part of this church service. And it's just this tiny little Scottish church and everybody is so happy that you're there and welcoming and all this kind of stuff. Um, and uh, it was just this very um, good <laughs> the word is good. It was a very good experience because like you're here, you're like, you are very welcomed and people are excited that you are there. You get to like see a friend of yours doing something that they are good at, something they enjoy doing. And it's just like, I'm happy to be in this space. Like I am content to be here. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it had just been a hot second since I had felt something like that in a church. So like that was, that was really great in the first service. Um, and, and I I think I've seen you preach a couple of times, but I don't think sure. I've ever seen you preach in person. And that was, I, I think I said to Ian uh, before the second service, I was like, I expected Ethan to have like a pastor voice, but no, it's just Ethan doing the pastor thing. <laughs> <laughs> 
Like, I really thought that, that you would have some, like, holy mantle that you put on, but you, it's really you. <laughs> well, I'm, that. you know what? I feel good about that. Unless that is, yeah. a, unless that is a bad thing. Unless you're like, it's really you, which is, you know, maybe you should make another choice, friend. You know, like, maybe, <laughs> maybe, so maybe adopt a pastor voice. That might be good. <laughs> like, if I, yeah. like, if I, I expected Ethan to have a pastor voice, but nope, he still just sounds like the great Gonzo. <laughs> <laughs> No, no, not at all. He's still just a Muppet. And I'm like, oh, well. (laughs) No, I I think it works really well for you because you are cerebral cerebral in both your real life and in your preaching. And so it just like everything meshes together really well. Whereas um, Ian is also cerebral in real life and in his preaching. But like Ian really likes to put on this kind of like dramatic presence and that's sure. kind of like the people that he's seen preach and all this kind of stuff. Like he really enjoys the like new cadence that he does when he's preaching that he would never say in real life. Um, and like, and it's just different people in different situations doing different things, but it, it, it was kind of remarkable to hear you like start the sermon. And I was like, Oh, he's not just talking. He's the sermon is happening now. Um, and then be like, oh, like this is like it works. I sometimes I'm glad it works. You're nervous, but it was good. <laughs> good, good. That's good. Um, you had not brought up the, the the preaching itself, like when we were debriefing afterwards, you and Ian, and I was like, well, okay, they didn't like it. That's okay. Like, well, <laughs> you know, like that's fine. Like, whatever. They don't need to like it. They're not tithing. You know, like if they were tithing, we'd have a conversation. But you know, yeah. whatever. No, yeah, it was great. It was good. Um, the so the sermon was about um the this passage in John where like Jesus says it's about like what we say is communion today. Like we hear it as communion, but it's like unless you like eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no part in like this in the new life that I have. Um, and Ethan just leaned real hard on like Jesus is saying, "Eat me." No, Jesus really just means eat me, eat me. And I'm just like, I can't, I can't take it. I'm sitting here in church and you're just like screaming, eat me. I'm like, what are we doing? And they're like, oh, this is fine. There's nothing wrong with this. The whole congregation, nobody even like chuckled at it. And I'm like dying behind my mask. Andrea is sitting beside me and like, is like, are you okay? And I'm like, yeah, I'm fine. I just think this is a very funny thing to be happening. Um <laughs> But no, like, I, I don't know. I'm not a preaching professor, but like, it was a well-structured sermon. You got the point across. I was, I was happy with it the whole way through. I think you did good. Well, I felt thank like, you. Yeah. And like, nobody screamed at you in the middle of it. So that's my bar. For that, that is, right that's now. a pretty good bar. I mean, that's the thing. Like nobody got up and said, no. <laughs> <laughs> <Don't mind>. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, people, and, like, so I was running around with Adrea before both of the services, uh, in part just because, like, I'm very comfortable in nanny mode, like, if I have the job and my job is make sure this kid doesn't fall down a staircase, great, like, I can handle that, I know who I am, if somebody talks to me and I don't want to talk to them, I'd be like, oh, the kid's getting into something, I can walk away, like, I enjoy that. Sure. Uh, but like, as I followed Adrea around, everybody's saying hi to Adrea. They're like saying hello to me. Nobody really engaged me in conversation, which I was okay with. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, like I, I, what you have said about the first church really felt confirmed for me. I was like, this is, this is a church who's just kind of happy to be here doing their own thing. 
I did. Uh, I did lose it a little bit when uh, the the when you're doing joys and concerns, and you had mm-hmm. one member of the congregation who asked us to pray for cities, and I was like, "Oh no! Like this is it. This is the end of the world. Terrible things are happening." And we talked about it afterwards. But I I just remember sitting through the pastoral prayer, being like, "Like everything was fine, and now it's not fine. Things are not fine. Why are things not fine?" Like I was not in. I was not ready for the internal anxiety that I would have mm-hmm. in that moment. Uh, but like, I, I should know that that's, that, that is how I'm going to react and just be working on, on mitigating that reaction. Um, yeah, cause, cause we, I've been listening again, I've been listening back to old episodes and they're like, you're just not going to walk into a church where everybody has the exact same theology as you. And you're not going to walk into a church where, um, nobody is, is problematic in the ways that are worse, the worst to you in terms of everybody's problematic in their own way, but there are right, some ways right. you can't tolerate. Um, so yeah, yeah, it was, uh, it, I, yeah, it was a roller coaster of emotions, but like, it was nice. Um, and then, so we drive over to the other church and we get mm-hmm. there and like the first person we meet is. <laughs> it's Paul. <laughs> and I knew Paul. it was going to go that way. I'm like, oh good. Here's, here's a nice lesson. Here's like a, here's like a case study. Here we go. <laughs> Got it. And I actually, like you unlocked your office and like, I went inside and looked at books. Like I think Ian still stayed and talked to him, but I walked away. <laughs> like, yep. That was a good call. Yeah, I, I, maybe I need to debrief this with Ian, but I continually just leave him in circumstances I don't want to be in. <laughs> I'm like, bye. Um, he also, Paul was confused because you're like, oh, this is Ian and Joe. And he turns to me and he goes, Ian? And I'm like, do I look like an Ian? I, I, it was just a weird moment of like, he's like, which one is, who is, who is what? And I'm like, did I, is, uh, do I not look feminine enough? I wore like a little librarian sweater. Like, I think I look like a lady. Anyway, it was an interesting moment of being misgendered for a hot second. Uh, it's complicated. Ian, Ian just chuckled. He was fine. He was fine. Um, but yeah, so then after that interaction, like we're running around, Adria's trying to find the nursery and she's like, I don't think I'm going to go in the nursery. I think I want to play with these puppets. We play with the puppets for like five seconds. And she's like, I think I want to find the nursery. And I was like, okay, I'm glad to know my puppeting skills aren't that bad. <laughs> um, oh, this is the time. But then, so in the second church service, like almost as soon as I walked in the sanctuary and like there, there were already people in the sanctuary. I like palpably like my shoulders, like knitted up. Like I was just like, Oh, everything's tense. Why are we all tense? Why is everyone angry? Um, it was just like my go-to feeling (laughs) from the beginning of the service. Um, and like, which is, has very little to do with you and has everything to do with like the people in the room. Um, I, yeah, I, and that space is also, we talked about this a lot after the service, but that space is just, it's boxy. Like it is yeah. not, it's not laid out like a lot of sacred spaces are laid out. It's got these pillars in the way that do really block people's view. Though you do have like good accessibility seating. Mm-hmm. Um, I like, there must have been somebody with money who was like, we're definitely going to pay for all of the things we need in terms of accessibility because they had at both churches, they had a lot of the stuff that you need. Yes. Um, 
I was surprised to see a chairlift at the first church. I was like, oh. Yeah, that was surprising. That's, well, I, I, sorry to go back to the first church, ladies and gentlemen, but like there is, there's a chairlift at the first church that leads downstairs. And the downstairs of the first church is just like a very small fellowship hall and a very, very out of date kitchen. And also where like the access panel for like the air conditioning is. Mm. And uh, as I constantly have said, you know, to anyone who will listen, uh, who was not at the church because I don't want to offend anybody. But like if if I was full time, my mission would be to make that first church into a wedding spot. Yeah. Like like that would be that I would spend a, a decent amount of time really trying to make connections. I, I'd probably put us on some kind of wedding page like, yeah, like come, you know, if you're looking for an intimate wedding uh, service on a vineyard. And that vineyard, you might not have noticed it, that vineyard has a five-star Italian restaurant attached to it. Oh, I did not know that. It is, Yeah, I couldn't believe it. Like, like I'm like, in this town? You know, in <laughs> Nowheresville? Like, where are we? You know, there's a Baptist church down the street, and there's five hillbilly cannibals over here. And then here's a, here's a Methodist church, and over yonder there is a vineyard with a five-star Italian restaurant. I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah, I people drive out like in the country. People drive out all sorts of ways, and then yeah, I'm often surprised by the things you find. But I did not notice that restaurant. Yeah, it's yeah. just right there. But like, I would love. But like the chairlift. My point about the chairlift is like that. That's I think another good sign of the health of the church. Like, yeah. like, like from a, at least from a compassion standpoint, right? Like that chairlift was obviously put in when. Uh, that church looked around and said, well, we have, we have members of this church that really just can't get downstairs without it. Yeah. So let's just raise the money and put it in. Oh, okay. Like same with the air conditioning, right? Like, like that air conditioning unit, uh, worked pretty darn well and is, you know, not like super duper old and it's central air. It's not just like a unit in a window. Right. And so what that means is that once upon a time, that church said, you know what? We're just too darn old to sit in the fucking heat. Right. <laughs> it yeah. It's it's just stupid. Let's just raise the money and put an air conditioning thing in here. Great. With my first Sunday when that air conditioning unit turned on, I about pissed my pants. I could <laughs> not believe it. I was like, "Do you guys have air conditioning?" <laughs> right. It does not look like the type of building that would have air conditioning. Yeah. No, it doesn't. I could not believe it. My first church in Kerwinsville famously did not have air conditioning, and whenever oh, we would I do. I did a ton of I did a ton of weddings in in the Kerwinsville, and because uh, we had a good space for it, and I and I got a lot of experience having like a wedding cottage industry going on up there, and uh, whenever we do weddings in the summer, you know the bride and groom would always be like, "Is there any way to make it cooler in here?" Because it just got so hot, mm-hmm. and I was like, "No, but I can make it hotter if you would like." <laughs> <laughs> That is something I can do. I can turn on the furnace, and we can get really hot in here. Anybody you want to pass have pass out during the wedding, we can do that. <laughs> just target uh, at them. <laughs> yeah, just just make that happen. But no, there's no way to make it cooler. I'm very sorry. <laughs> it's yeah. just not possible. Ugh. Yeah, both of my churches luckily had air conditioning. The air conditioning at the second church when was not always up to stuff, but also people were mostly 
too cold. Like, I feel like all of the older people in that congregation never got too hot, but they were perpetually too cold. And so the rest of us just sweated while they were at at, at an ideal temperature. And it's like, you know, Gladys is in her nineties. It'll be fine. (laughs) We'll just put up. Death death is, is sitting in her lap right now. I see the grim. That's why she's cold. The grim reapers around her, you know, there's no, (laughs) there's no chance. She's just, Oh, "Oh, I'm chilly. Well, well, you may mean, the dark one is right behind you, Ethel, like ready to take you to hell. She's no like, way. why would I go to hell? And I'm like, do you remember the 60s, Ethel? You were on the wrong side. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, that was that was another interesting thing about both churches is I, I and like you would have no way of preparing a sermon about like our exit from Afghanistan and the, or like the earthquake in Haiti or everything that has happened this past week. No. Um, Because it's just been bananas. But then like, it was really refreshing to hear somebody say like, we should pray for the people in Haiti, somebody else. We should pray for the people in Afghanistan at the first church. And then the second church for that, just not to be the tone of the thought that they had, right at all and then for you to have to be like let me explain when we're praying for the people of afghanistan and how like we are called to love our enemies and that is we are first christians and not americans which is not the way that you said it you said it in a in a way that's much more i think approachable for them to hear but it was it was just such a marked difference between the two of them where i was like oh phew we're okay uh so then the prayer in the second service i was like everybody's mad everybody's angry what do we do like there was so much of my internal like defense mechanisms up Mm -hmm, (laughs) in the mm -hmm. second service um and it was also interesting to see you preach in the second service because usually your second sermon is looser like you've already done it once you're like warmed up for the day the the second time around for the sermon for you like the use different jokes than you used the first time and I was like but those first jokes were great and and you were like the delivery was just you it felt like you constantly wanted to backtrack on what you were saying but yeah I think also, that's true. like push forward with what you're saying too it was and like it's fully just a reaction to the space and the people in the space mm-hmm. um. And we talked about this a lot afterwards. Like all of them are nice people. Like and yeah. there's there's nothing wrong with any of them. I mean, like everybody's got problems, but like it's not like anybody was sitting there glowering at you the whole time, I assume. Nope. We, nope. we sat in the front so I couldn't see it. But like it is just the air in that space. Like it, it, and to me it felt like everybody was showing up expecting a fight or expecting something to go wrong or like just nervous everybody just showed up to church nervous um and i i you very kindly listened to my sixty thousand ways of trying to fix that (laughs) (laughs) no i was happy to hear it i'm glad i was happy that you you cared enough uh to offer these perspectives and i mean that i mean that Oh, thanks. I, uh, like I, whenever I'm in a space and I'm uncomfortable, I immediately go into problem. Either my, there's two options. There's problem solving mode where we fix it and it's fine. Or there is like anxious panic even more, but internalized. <laughs> so it's the, everything is the internal screaming gif. Like that is what, what I do. Right. Um, yeah. Like, and when you said the thing about so listeners there were two banners like homemade is not the exact right word but like not professionally stitched together and ordered from like cokesbury banners like right. in-house made banners up at the front of the church um 
on either side. Are there two doors at the front of the church or just the one? At it's the, just the by, one. Yeah. Yeah, it's just the one. It's sort of like a phantom door on the other side. I know, actually, I know exactly why you asked that question. Because it does sort of feel like there should be a second door there, but there's there's not. There's not. Yeah, I wonder. Uh, I Something's love... trying to break into our world. <laughs> That's what it is. We will not link to that YouTube video. Uh, toy cat, Dr. Tran. <laughs> How horrible. Anyway. Um, yeah, it does feel like there should be something there. I would love to like meet the person who designed this space because I just have so many questions. <laughs> like it is not, again, it's just, it's not designed like most worship spaces. Like most, most church, I've looked at a ton of church architecture and everything about this is like, Somebody had an idea of what a church should look like, but then just didn't follow through on all the bits and pieces. But anyway, there are these two banners up at the front of the church, and you had told the story about how the previous pastor had moved them, and the church had actually been very proud of them, and so you relented and brought them back into the sanctuary. Mm-hmm. And it, like it just seems to me like people have had fights about this space, or they have they just anticipate not having a good time here, and so like to me that means that you need to do. I said it, and I should have said it more in a joking way, but you got to do something to cleanse that space. Like you have to do something that resets people's experience in that space. Right, right. Um, when I was when I was in seminary uh, and taking a class with Reverend Campbell, she talked about how, I think it was in my sacraments class, that like what she had done from time to time for other people, like when she was working for the National Cathedral, she would sometimes go and like go to the churches of friends who like wanted her to come in and do a service like this, but would come in and like just kind of show people around what's in the sanctuary. So like, here's the baptismal font. Here's, here's the symbolism of the font. This is why we have it. This is why we put it here. This is why, how it reminds us of our baptism. Like this is the pulpit. This is by having the pulpit here. This is what it makes us think of. Like here is, here are the lights, here are the candles, here are the symbols that we have in this space. So that like when you walk into that space, you know, like, oh, I know what this is. This isn't just some esoteric piece of ritual equipment that is not for me, is only for the pastor. Instead, it's like, oh, this is the font. And like, if I want to, I can go up and look at it and dip my hand in the water and be a part of the holiness of this space. And I think there's something really powerful to like taking a Sunday and just reintroducing people to their church and being like, you know, like this is, this is the place that you gather, you belong here too. And like, sure, I'm up at the front during the service, but like you also could be too, like the, the altar does not belong to the pastor. It belongs to the people. Um, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, I think, mm -hmm. like, I think that would go a long way, but yeah, I think that's a good idea. Yeah, thanks. But but also it does not. <laughs> Sorry, I was gonna like. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> no, thank you for your positive uh, reaction to what I said. Uh, but it also doesn't solve like the other anxieties that they have. We, like we talked a lot about the fin- financial anxieties that they have after the service. Yeah. Um, because you you were like, I just want to remind you that we don't have a formal offering time, but here are where the offering plates are. And I was like, this is a weird thing for a pastor to say. <laughs> like, in the announcements at the beginning of the service, I was like, why is he doing this? And it's because they're worried <laughs> about money, and they told you to. Yeah, that's why. That's why. They're, they're afraid, they're, I mean, listeners, they're afraid that if, if folks are not reminded 
that they have to tithe and that which they do not have to you know i i i undercut this a ton by saying you do not have to do this but i if if they're afraid that if folks aren't reminded it's the um Laura Ingram, Ingram, is it Ingram or Ingraham? I don't know. From from Fox News, oh, she is. I was like uh, Little House on the Prairie, but Ingram. no, 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 even worse. Um, <laughs> she uh, was talking with some uh, quote unquote economist on Fox News a couple of days ago about how what we really need to do is it, it's the same thing that we hear people on the right say all the time, right? We got to cut out all welfare and social safety net things. Because that's the only way th- things are going to be good somehow. And and Laura made a comment. She made a comment like, I mean, you got to stop giving people money because hunger is the most powerful motivator there is. And I'm like, okay. I'm like, man, you could have said you could have just taken on the William Defoe Green Goblin accent and it would have been just as fine. It would have <laughs> felt just don't you understand, Spider-Man? <laughs> hunger is the most potent. <laughs> it's the most potent motivator there is like oh my gosh you're a monster green goblin like i i think that it's i think a lot of folks at that church have sort of adopted something like that in in the way they think and so you know unless like i one of the other practices they had this is actually a practice at my at the church in kerwinsville too that i relented on only because we managed to um we allowed it to be a source of pride, like in a good way. But when I showed up, one of their practices was to put uh, last week's attendance and offering in the bulletin and oh. and compare that to the monthly amount of revenue we needed to have to keep the lights on. I've seen that was actually something that in my um, uh, like church finances class that I took that they're like, you know, that's an option of things that you can do just to inform people of how much money you need. And I, at the time I was like, oh, this is just like being open about how the church is run. But I also see that that can be really manipulative. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's usually my sense. And, and I, I relented to it at Kerwinsville because um, we were doing fine because right. of me. Like, like, and so, <laughs> and so when it, if I may say so. And so like, like when I arrived, we were not doing fine. And then like, and I was like, we need to get rid of this. Like, this doesn't help anybody. This just increases anxiety. You know, I, I, if people need to give, they need to give and we can have conversations about that. But really, you know, when a church is uh, not taking in the money it needs to function, that just means it has too many things that it needs to function. And we have to scale that back. It doesn't mean we we squeeze people for all their worth so that we can maintain our bad spending habits. But then like attendance shut up by like 40 people a Sunday and like giving was really good. And so I was like, no, keep it in. (laughs) Yeah. At this point we're just, you know, now we're, now we're just, now we're just letting everybody know how great we are. But, uh, but like at Gordonsville, like, I mean, I, I got rid of that practice immediately. I was like, God, man, no wonder everybody's so freaking out. Like we're, we're reading every Sunday that we don't even have a single hope of, of making budget and like part. And now we're doing things slowly, but surely to like figure that out. One of the ways that this is going to be fixed is we, we cut the budget by $30,000. Right. You know, because of, because of me, 
but like but yeah i mean the them wanting me to like like the so so ultimately joe i'm i'm sorry i'm kind of talking a lot about this but like no, you're good. the reason why i make the comment that i make at the beginning is is actually that you identified is actually sort of a mixture of a couple of things like they they want the formal offering time so that people are handed a gold bin and they're compelled to put money in right i don't have the heart to tell them that like i have never felt peer pressure to put money in anything <laughs> like, like, i don't have the heart to tell them that i i doubt i'm the only one who feels this way like like i feel peer pressure when a dude who's begging for money on the street is asking for money then i feel peer pressure but when but when some boomer in a suit is like put money in this bin i'm like that's okay you can go away now you can go to hell i'm not putting money in anything that you're handing me <laughs> like so like for for several generations not only is that a turn off it's also like not going to work anyway like they'll just be like oh no thank you <laughs> right you know? yeah. pass the plate around but like they want that time and I made it really clear, like, like first of all, we actually don't have enough consistent volunteers to, like, coordinate that. And so, ultimately, that's, like, on me to coordinate that. That, that would be something I would have to coordinate every Sunday. Not, not just find volunteers, but I would have to, like, do... At, you, you and Ian were there. I'm literally doing everything. Yeah. I, I'm literally doing everything in the service. And, like, okay... I think that that needs to change because I think that that's and you'd made that suggestion to me. That's one way for the the want the space to be more to take more ownership and more positive feelings about the space. You know, at the bigger church is is to have more lay involvement, which I hundred percent agree. But like the reason why I'm doing everything is because folks left. Yeah, like in 2019, Joe, there was 55 people there every Sunday. Wow. You know, and then and then more problems happened with the former pastor, and then a bunch of people resigned and left, and then COVID happened, and then a bunch of people left, which I get. You know, and now now it's thirty, and that's fine, like thirty, whatever. But like, this is why I'm doing everything, and so yeah. and so I compromise with them, and I'm like, we're not doing a formal offering time because we don't have the manpower or or, or the the human power to do that. And I'm also not interested in exposing people more and more, right. you know, during a pandemic. And they're like, well, well, we're freaking out, Pastor. And so I invented that that announcement for them. Mm. So. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, yeah, yeah. I, and and given the situation that you're in, like that, that's a, a, a what I want to say it without it being like condescending of like that's a good idea but like that yeah that's like the the best thing that you can do in that situation I think that's the compromise of all available options um I I and, and yeah I was gonna go off on a, a tangent about something else but um yeah I so reminding you, you reminding me that they've lost a lot of people and also that like with COVID, like we just haven't been in our spaces a lot as well. Like, I wonder if there's a liturgy out there that's kind of, um, that's to like help you mourn and move on from like when you have had, cause it's not really a schism. It's just like people leaving because of the previous pastor. Um, it like, or, or because of COVID and not being open because of COVID and, and all these kind of things. 
Um, just like to be able to like gather in the space and say like we look around and we see that we people are not here who have been here in the past and we mourn their ministry here we mourn their time here Um, but then we also are refocusing ourselves to like open ourselves up to other people to come into the space or ourselves to step into new roles like I wonder if there's a way to do that liturgically um Mm -hmm. Yeah, and my my solution to most problems is like let's do something in worship. But like worship is when you catch the most people. Sure, you're right. And and it's when people are hopefully the most open to something new. Um, but yeah, like there's there is just a lot. There's a lot to process in that church. Like everybody is holding a lot in that church. Um, and I think. Like as, as things resolve and as like this really becomes the place that you are the pastor instead of the place that the former pastor is the pastor, then like, I think it'll take on a different tenor, but I think it just takes a lot of work. And that's a lot to put on a part-time pastor is the other piece of it. Sure. Sure. Well, I mean, uh, and I appreciate that. Like, I don't, I do appreciate that. I think on the other hand though, Joe, there's like, this is stuff that this is stuff I like, you know, like this is stuff right. that is a part of the job that I really enjoy doing is the building stuff. Right. And we, we've talked about that before on the podcast and, and in other places that, you know, I enjoy, I do, I enjoy, I enjoy preaching. I enjoy doing worship. Like all, all that's fine. But what I really like, like what I really loved about being a full-time pastor was my ability to cast visions for a church and do good and interesting and hard legwork of being an ambassador for the church and and organizing and and building coalition and um, um, setting standards for how we are going to do things to sort of achieve these things. Like that stuff, I really like. I I love I love knowing that I can when I think back to like Kerwinsville, I love knowing that while I was the pastor there after, after doing this work for three years, um, the church had a different culture, Mm -hmm. you know, like, like a different set of people and the same set of people uh, were now there and felt different about the whole situation, about, about their whole, their entire church, their entire community, what it meant to be, you know, what it meant to be in love with God. Like, I love that. And I love that. It's not like we, it's not like we changed the world. You know, we didn't, it's not like we grew by several times. We we didn't, but we grew Mm -hmm. and good things happened, you know, and, and the part I played in that was not so like, did everything work towards that goal? Yeah. But the part I played in that had more to do with my willingness to have one-on-ones with people and walk into a meeting and smile and be really open and stuff like that. But then also like going, Hey, this is the vision I have guys. Like I'm not going to force anybody to do anything, but I'm just going to try to inspire you to follow me in this vision, you know, or, or like to, to do things that also sometimes made me uncomfortable and made the way harder. Right. Like, what what you're describing, you know, as as what does it mean to help this church not only heal but like retake ownership of their space and of who they are? That's stuff I really like. 
Like that's that's stuff that I I would love to do in any capacity in like the nonprofit world or like or in the whatever you know like is is stepping in and consulting in a sense and then also leading and helping you know uh, a people uh, uh, love who they are again you know and and see possibility right yeah um the Alan Hirsch who's like a evangelical adjacent like church growth guy like he's i suppose an evangelical but but he he really bucks a lot of trends in the way evangelical people and theology and churches are sort of set up alan hirsch uh recommends and this has really stuck with me when i read his book he recommends that that pastors and lay leaders and folks who are doing church work like this really need to figure out how to um instead of being instead of seeing themselves as these like leaders you know using strength or leaders using you know like i don't know the, the what we imagine happens on in the wolf on wall street or you know right. stuff like that they should they should see themselves as 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 people who who create really beautiful pictures that that make their make their congregations uh want to draw them to mm. you know like and he uses the example of you know uh rather than teaching a congregation how to build a boat you should make them fall in love with the sea right yeah and then I think they'll and then, that on here before. yeah yeah i think i have too and then and then they'll build their own boats you don't even have to do it <laughs> right they'll just they'll, they'll just be like god we got to get out there you know and like and like that's really that's really the thing that's that's like if there's like one like ministry thing that that I've really internalized, it's that it's and that's the stuff I love to do. You know, I love to to build and develop and then say and then like make people fall in love with the sea, make them fall in love with the things that are around them so that they uh, want to be good to them, you know, and they want to. And then like if they still need to figure out how to be good to them, like I'll, I'll help them with that, too. But but I I don't think I don't think there needs to be a ton of training in that way. You know, I think a lot of folks I'm not saying they intuitively know it, but I think a lot of folks already sort of know how to do some of that. Um, You know, if you make people fall in love with the poor of their community, they already know how to feed people. Right. You know, they've been feeding people forever. That's part of what it means to be a human being is you eat and you try to help other people to eat. <laughs> you know, the, the trick is that they're just not in love with them. They're just not in love with hungry people. Hmm. So. Yeah. Yeah. That all makes sense. Well, I'm glad, like, I, I, I never got the impression that you, like, felt like things were out of control or, like, deeply unhappy at either of the churches. Like, you really have a good presence at both of the churches. But I was like, oh, my God, look at all the things. <laughs> like, right, and, right. <laughs> and again, that's still just like I, I, more and more as I think about it. Um, I've probably done all of the like thinking and and processing I can on my own without like getting back out there. You know, it's kind of it's kind of like after you 
break a bone or something like that and you have to there's a, an amount of bed rest that requires for the bone to reset that's only part of the healing like the rest of the healing is beginning to use that limb again as after it's healed and right and figuring out how to do things again i think like the next big step for me is finding a, a way to participate in a more formal christian community um and then wait for that next work on that next phase of healing and getting back to normal this is actually a a good first step on that of because i like i know you and i trust you and i know that i can go into the church and i'm not going to hear something from the pulpit that i'm just gonna right, be like right. <laughs> and and that makes a big difference like that's one of the first things that i kind of need right now as a as a participant in worship instead of a worship leader so yeah, it was it, it was a great visit. It was a good time to be there. It was uh, it was also yeah. nice to just be in church with Ian. I have gone to like yeah, maybe, that's great. Yeah, this was now we have now doubled the amount of church services that I've gone to with Ian <laughs> just as participants. So it was nice. Yeah, that's really good. And and you know, you and Ian, I'm I'm not saying you should come every Sunday, but you and Ian are always like, if you want to do more things, like we can always make that happen. You know, I know it's two hours away, and I get that. I'm not. I'm not trying to, 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 you know, make, play make-believe, but like you, you guys are always welcome to to any of the churches and, and I'm always interested in knowing your, your perspective and, and being able to allow you to have space to, you know, uh, participate or lead or, or anything. I, I think that, I think that these two churches and and obviously i think the second one is 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 in the most peril in this way like these two churches are are so closed off mm. one is closed off in a way that is uh closed off in the way like a close family is closed off right and so a way that's not necessarily toxic that could become toxic but but it's not necessarily toxic it's more just they're close family and they're they're doing their thing but the other church is closed off in a way that isolated people are closed off right and and any any opportunity to have people on the outside coming in and participating and not participating out of arrogance or whatever but just participating and and being able to see things that they're blind to i think is really important yeah um yeah. Yeah, and I think uh, after after a couple months of like having welcomed you in as an outsider to that space, they're gonna um, be more open to the the ideas of others as well. Like, uh, I I think you are well suited to kind of um, break the kind of break them out of the shell that they're in and then you'll be able to invite people into the space that they might not otherwise have listened to like i think i, I think there's a lot of potential at both churches and so yeah, i think so yeah, too yeah yeah like the nice thing about it is that these this uh, particularly of the second church they are not happy with their situation <laughs> right <laughs> you know <yeah. laughs> a lot a lot of churches a lot of churches uh struggle with wanting struggle with wanting to be different right like Mm -hmm. they struggle with trying with seeing why a problem is a problem um but i think at this church that's not i don't just don't think that's true like i think i think at this church they're pretty much everybody is pretty aware 
that that like man this is not good like even if even if the awareness is as simple as where are all the people right like the some of the other folks who are more in the know are like where is all the money you know right oh it's in oh it's in the bank yeah which bank and in which accounts and who can control those accounts and can I see a statement? Oh, there is no statement. Like, like it's, you know, it's stuff like that. Like, or, or like for me, you know, I think it's a, um, we have rental properties. Did I tell you about this? We have rent the, the, the two houses next to the church we own, the oh. church owns, and we are easily the worst landlords on, on planet earth. Like, <laughs> um, at the last council meeting I was at there, we're struggling through this meeting. Remember, we don't have any financial records, really, not really, like because nobody's around to be uh, to to you know organize that. And the renters in one of the houses over the last two years has asked us to fix an upstairs shower, and we haven't. Wow. Um. And and now there's significant water damage on both floors of the house. Oh. And and uh, we're getting this stuff, and I'm sitting in this meeting, and I'm kind of calmly listening and jotting stuff down. And uh, Steve was there too, and he's listening, and he's not calm. He's he's not screaming or anything. He's just definitely not calm. As as we're hearing this, um, and one of the folks at the meeting was like, "Well, we keep asking Sherm to go over there and fix it." And I'm, and I finally, I'm like, who is Sherm? And they're like, and the person who said that was like, I don't know, like 10 or 12 years ago, some uh, Sherm got connected to us. He's from Madison and he'll come in and he'll do stuff for free. Well, who is he? Well, he's just some guy. Okay. Okay. All righty. Well, you know, and, and, and Steve kind of then started talking he was freaking out and, and like, not once again, when I say he's freaking out, he's I, I told a story about Steve in which he screams, you know, and 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 mm-hmm. swears and calls people bad names. That's not what he's doing in this story. He's expressing himself very passionately, not in a super aggressive way. He's just understandably upset. And and, you know, he's like, man, we, we just got to know what's going on. We just I need a full financial write up. We, we need a full financial write up. We need to know what's happening. And, and I, you know, kind of tried to calmly mirror, calmly echo Steve. And I was like, I, for what it's worth friends, like as your pastor, you know, who's only been here for two months. Like I, I actually think that the situation uh, with the shower is an unmitigated disaster <laughs> like for, for the church. Like, I think it's a catastrophe. I, I don't, I don't think it's just a problem. I think it's a, I think it's an almost unfixable problem. Uh, sure, we can cough up the money and fix the shower by hiring anybody but Sherm. Right. You know, pre- preferably somebody with licensed contractor next to his name. That might be good. Instead of Sherm, we'll do it for free. You know, like that is not, no, that's not good at all. But like, like I can't, I can also, I can't even imagine a worse thing that could happen from a community standpoint for the church. Right. You know, like, Oh my gosh, well, how do we even recover from that? And I did, I said all this in a meeting. I was like, how do you expect any of us to recover from this? 
as as uh, it gets out that not only are we bad landlords, we've uh, we've ruined our own house. Right. You know, and we've made it um, uh, an awful situation for the people that I'm sure thought to themselves, well, I'll rent from the church. That'll be good. Like, oh, my yeah. God. Like, like that's just that's just utterly shameful in every way, shape and form. Landlords should be. I didn't say this part. Landlords should be abolished. But I can think of a way in which landlords can be good, at least a little bit. You know, the individual landlord can be a decent person who <laughs> at least does the job they say they're going to do. You right. know, like like at the very least, we can do that. You know, we can we can come forward and be like, oh, something got broken. We'll send a guy out tomorrow. You know, like at least we can right. say that. And that guy hopefully won't be Sherm. You know, <laughs> Sherm's right. here again. Like, oh, great. Yep, seems like water damage. It's all fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I something that I also wonder about that is how many people who are in charge at this church have rented in the past twenty or thirty years. You know, like yeah, once yeah. you are once you're out of the habit of having to ask your landlord to fix something, you forget how awful it is when something in your house is broken and you have no power to fix it. Um, right. And not just because, like, maybe you don't have the skill, but because, like, you are legally obliged to have your landlord do this. Otherwise, you are, like, invalidating the terms of your rental agreement and they're going to kick you out on the street. Like, right. people just don't understand that, I think, once you're out of the, the renting world. Um, yeah, yeah. Oh, boy. Yeah. I, but, like, that's that's the other thing that... Um, I think about all the time is it is very easy to break something. It is very hard to build and maintain something, right? Like I watch, I build like a little tower of blocks for the 10 month old to like crawl over and knock over. And it takes me however many more, more seconds to like build it up than it takes for him to just knock it down. It's the same thing with your reputation, with your buildings, with everything. Like it is so easy to ruin something and it takes so much attention to keep things in a good state or to build something new. And uh, yeah, I think that's why a lot of people look away from things that are not great or in the process of breaking because like they know how bad it's going to be and the work that it takes to get back to good. But if you're not, but if you don't do it, you're, you're just stuck where you are and where you are is not great. No, no. So at, at by way of by way of wrapping it up uh is there any moment any any juicy moment that you can point to during uh your time at the church that that you wish to share with the void which is of course our 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 pet name for our listeners <laughs> <laughs> Here's my pet the void um, The void Do I have have a juicy moment um oh goodness i <laughs> there, there was one moment where i was walking ian with someone else and i was somewhere else and i think i had just dropped adrea off at the nursery you had come to check on her and we were both walking back into the sanctuary and someone welcomed me into the sanctuary at gordonsville as if i was your wife and i was like nope we're just friends like very quickly was like i'm sure they haven't seen beth all that often or like this person had not met beth but i was just like uh, uh, and it was one of those like patriarchal moments where i was like 
in this space, the best option for me is to be the pastor's wife. Great. (laughs) (laughs) I could have died. I could have died right in that moment. So, yeah. yeah, I think I remember that. I remember them making a comment and then you jumping in to quickly set the record straight. <laughs> <laughs> Let me just tell you, don't accept me to be here. I'm not leading any Bible studies. I'm not cooking any food for any of you. We're just friends and I'm leaving after this. <laughs> yeah. Oh, gosh. It was, it was quite the moment. So I think that's the juiciest thing I have <laughs> that I will share on the podcast. <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. I, uh, yeah, I mean, I was just going to, my ma- the main question was to see if there was like a, a funny moment you wanted to share from that, but I guess that can be the funny moment. <laughs> uh, that's, there's also like Adrea bossing literally everybody at the second church around. <laughs> like, yes, that's hysterical. Like you were trying to show me something in the nursery. I think it was like the sound system, and Adrea was like, "Come on, I gotta show you something." And it was like the crocheted fish on the bulletin board that she had right. already showed me, but it was like, "No, you will go do this." now so she's going to rule the world one day pretty sure oh i know well uh, she can sense she can sense when she's in a a building full of uh full of betas (laughs) 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 like like she's like oh yeah these people none of these people know what they're doing or are leaders so i guess i will take command here (laughs) well so the funny thing about that board here's my funny story that didn't happen at church but happened you know at another time when i was in the building um that board of crocheted fish and Trey was like hey dad look at those things one of the days and i was like yeah you mean the birds <laughs> and i was like and i was like no that's not it i was tired i was like no not birds uh and she's and she looked at me she was like these are not birds and i was like well honey some might say fish are the birds of the ocean so you know i i don't i don't know i'm still right anyway <laughs> get going <laughs> you know oh, come on you got stuff to do Okay. You know, at first glance, you they could be anything really. Yeah, they're just blobs. Yeah. And then you look back and you're like, oh no, that's a I see where they were going for here. Yeah. Yeah. Created uh created by Barbara Drinkwater, the uh Scientologist of Gordonsville. I, we, we still I, have I don't know that you can tell that whole story on the pod, but like whenever you, wanna, you can down the road, it's going to be great. Oh, I mean, well, maybe for a funeral or something. I don't know. <laughs> That's a good story. I did like that. I did like you and Ian's reaction to that story. That's I pretty good. I believe it. That can't be true. You got to be lying. And I'm like, no, man. That's true. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's bananas. Anyway, that can't say. I, I'm assuming that you don't want everybody to know there was a Scientology cult at your church. Yeah, there's. Listeners, there's a Scientology cult at the church. I don't really know what to tell you. I mean, we, it's not there anymore, but uh, we figured it out. But uh, it used to be there, and uh, oh well, you know, they're not there anymore. If they were there when I'd show up, it wouldn't have been fun. Like, I, it would. It, that's not really a threat. Like, it's not like I'd go in guns blazing, but I would definitely go in and be like, "Well, this is ending now." Like, like this is. <laughs> We're not, we're not doing this. Like, sorry. Like, if the local Lutherans want to do something in this church, by all means. If the, <laughs> you know, if the, even, even the local, if the local synagogue or, or, you know, like mosque need a place to do stuff. I, I'm, I'm all for that. But like, Scientology is not a real religion, guys. Like, it's a fake religion. Like, it just is, friends. It yeah. just is. I have to draw a line somewhere. It just is. L. Ron Hubbard, before he died, said he made the whole thing up. It's a fake religion. 
it's just now now it's just a ponzi scheme you know at this point like like it's just a money making scheme for for bored people bored people with money like so like i don't i'm sorry i'm i call ooh i'm such a small minded person no bullshit the only people who i'm sorry like everybody stop for a second and think about a scientologist they know do you like that person this is no, where I thought this episode was gonna go. <laughs> no, I'm gonna I'm gonna stand my ground here. No, you don't, because because they are either a a a celebrity that you don't much like, like Tom Cruise. So that's either Tom. You're all either thinking of Tom Cruise, or you're a member of this Scientology cult from Gordonsville. You know, <laughs> <laughs> those are the only two options. <laughs> yeah, like like give me a break. You know. My, I can't believe he'd say that. My grandma's a Scientologist. No, give me a break. Bullshit. <laughs> Bullshit. I feel like you're having a conversation with somebody else right now. Like, I'm not. I'm not even know who I you about this in the past. Who, who would I be talking to? You know, that's the thing. Like, I can't even think of who I'd be talking to about this. Like, I, I guess you know, you know, it's, pro- it's probably some of the people we were talking shit on from Wesley uh, the other day. Like. All the all the you know high-minded liberal folks from Wesley who are like, I believe that the cosmic Christ means that Christ could even be Zenu, a made-up you know fucker that L. Ron Hubbard made up. Oh yeah, well, you're really deep. You you that comment itself really does justice to the uh, ancient traditions of humanity. You know, <laughs> that's that's really good. Somehow that comment is so liberal that it becomes completely, you know, reactionary and stupid. Yep. yep so, yeah. which, you know, actually a lot of liberal things. Anyway, you want to sign us off? <laughs> yeah, I can sign us off. Friends, thanks for listening. This has been a mini sode of what the hell is a pastor. We are Spanx Reebok and the dude, and we will see you next time. What the Hell is a Pastor is a part of the Disruptive Disciples Podcast Network. Our theme song is written by Joe Schomolf, performed by Joe Schomolf, Ian Oriola, and Paul Oriola, and produced by Paul Oriola. Email us at wtheckisapastor at gmail.com. Find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash disruptive disciples. On Twitter at wthisapastor. And on Patreon at patreon.com slash wthiap, where you can get access to Pillow Talk, signed cards, episode suggestions, and so much more. Thanks for listening. And remember, friends, pastors are people too.